Welcome everybody to the amazing 50th edition of the Metabolist 2 podcast. Yes, we have done 50 of these and there's 500 more to go. So anyway, <laughs> um, I, as has become traditional, am Ben. And following on in those traditional footsteps, I am David as well. And I think this week, for your listening pleasure, we will be giving a season overview of Series 10. Mm-hmm. And just trying to assess what we think of Series 10 of New Who. Mm-hmm. And I apologize for being on vacation. That's why we've kind of missed a week here of recording. But Oh uh, yeah, David was on vacation back in jolly old Minnesota. Yeah. Um, Saw your lovely wife. Oh, you did see my lovely <laughs> wife, mm-hmm. didn't you? Her and Rita and I all went out for drinks and had a little dinner. And yeah, it was Excellent. good to catch up. Good, good. Excellent. Yeah, and hopefully, I don't know whether we might be a bit delayed next week as well, because I will be at the uh, San Diego Comics Convention. That's um, right. Picking up all the new information on Doctor Who for all you fans. So either from San Diego or when you get back, we'll have or to when do when I a... get back, but, but you will be the first to hear all those <laughs> nuggets of secret spoilers that I will have picked up from. You will have a full debriefing. My high-level hobnobbing that I will <laughs> undoubtedly be doing in sunny mm-hmm. Southern California. Well, right. You're looking to uh, hire Moffat on, right? Because he's obviously looking for work now that he's hanging yeah, out. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think actually he'd be a really good kind of, you know, occasional contributor to our podcast. We'll just get him on. Um, and then I think, that, I, think, I think that would be fun. I think that would be fun and good. So I'll, I'll pitch that to him. <laughs> I was paging through some back issues well really back deep deep catalog back issues of doctor who magazine that i have from the 90s the wilderness years and if if you look at the bylines in it that's kind of the who's who of currently who's running doctor who right now so you'll have the stephen moffat bylines you have the rtd Mm -hmm. bylines um, gareth roberts writing there and just paul cornell it's it's just struck me as that that the wilderness years is really when the fans took over the show, and it shows even and today we, that they are running the show. Yeah, we didn't let it go. They yep. they worked yep. their way up the beeb to get in a position where they could persuade and <laughs> pester until it got back on the air. I mean, this uh, could be a you know this could be an, a, a topic for you know a, another podcast. But I mean, I think hmm. always what's interests me is you know what happens when that generation of fans you know moves on or you know retires, stops right. working in TV. You know, are we creating a new? You know, are there are there new fans coming up who mm-hmm. will be running the show? Potentially. You know, um, I think it's so interesting when when properties like this are taken over by fans. Mm-hmm. But taken over implies a bad thing, but it's not. This is actually, you know, a, a good thing. And, yeah, and certainly yeah. certainly with with RTD, especially the decisions that he made when he rebooted the show were just so smart. Um, as people know, you know, I think I have some quibbles with the way that, that Moffat has addressed the show, um, maybe perhaps in some ways too fanish for my for my right. liking. But yeah, no, it's 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 this we we were living mm-hmm. in a golden age. Yeah. yeah. If only if, if only Peter Capaldi would stay on for one more season. That would make me so happy. But that anyway. would be a wonderful decision, but I think that uh, ship has uh, already ship sailed. Has already sailed. Yes. Mm-hmm. So season ten. Um, yeah. Who's going to kick off? What do we think? Season ten. Well, mm. first question I have yes, is: yes. Would you consider the return of Doctor Mysterio part of series ten? I have it as part of season ten, kind of mentally, because mm-hmm. uh, well, actually now more so, in fact, mm-hmm. um, because of the Nardole presence, right. and I think Nardole became a key character actually in this series, and I think I think that kind of binds in Doctor Mysterioso um, to the show. So it served kind season. of as a series prologue in some ways by introducing yeah. Nardole, a taster, <laughs> an amuse bouche of some kind. Yes, I but, think so. Yeah, and so shall we? Talk about Nardole to begin with. Maybe that's a good entry point into Series 10 here. Yeah, I, I was quite hostile towards Nardole yeah. um, to, 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 to begin with, because, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's obviously um, the, the, you know, it's played by a comedy actor, a comedy actor with, with whom I have a reasonable <laughs> amount of affection for, but not a huge amount. Right. Um, you know, he's a funny guy. I preferred him when he was George Dawes, <laughs> um, the big baby on Shooting Stars, right. which is when I first uh, came across 
um, Matt Lucas. Um, I think Little Britain really kind of took it a, a bit too far. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one, one of the intro, in, instructive things about Little Britain, of course, is that obviously both Wallians and Lucas are huge Doctor Who fans, as is proved by their introduction of, um, of their, their use of, of Tom Baker as the, as the voiceover right. for, Little, for Little Britain. And also guest stars um, Colin Baker and Peter Davison mm-hmm. um, were, on, were on Little Britain quite regularly. Anyway, where were so, we? Nardole. So back to Nardole. Yeah. Return of Doctor Mysterio uh, reintroduced the character. And I was very a- apprehensive this was going to be some kind of comedy character who's basically going to take the piss out of the show. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the Doctor Who's a delicate show. You really can't take that much piss out of it mm-hmm. before it starts people going, well, yeah, of course, it is nonsense. So you have to be careful. And I think we have fallen into the trap of doing that before in a kind of a wrong way, in my opinion. Um, but I think, you know, Nardal grew as a character over the season. And by the end, I was just as affected as, as everyone else mm-hmm. um, in the Doctor Falls um, when, you know, when he... Uh, when he kind of heroically stays behind. So, um, yeah. Character-wise, I think he played an interesting role as a foil for the Doctor. And so that freed up uh, that kind of antagonistic uh, relationship that normally is with the companion to allow the more teacher-mentor-student combination between the Doctor and Bill in this series. Right, So by having the third wheel or by ha- introducing Nardle to the series Moffat allowed for that kind of crankiness that sarcasm that the Capaldi doctor exhibits to be directed towards Nardle and not towards Bill so I think that was a really uh, really nice uh, shunting off of the edginess yeah, of yeah. the Capaldi doctor do you think that was deliberate if it wasn't it uh, worked out very well <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it, it, I mean, I think, I think you're 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 exactly correct. I mean, I think I, I think in a, in a, if that was deliberate, that was a super smart move mm-hmm. um, uh, by the showrunner. Um, uh, but again, I mean, I think sometimes these things can happen, you know, with with, with a good actor in a well written part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, uh, writers can sort of respond to that. Though I, I suppose you know it's only ten episodes. So maybe they didn't have time to respond. Well, um, but they did. He did certainly respond in, in Moffat by including Nardole more and more into the series because he wasn't yeah. wasn't originally slated to be a ongoing companion in uh, series ten, and just they found ways to make Nardole click more and more. Yeah, I think. I mean, my one disappointment about, about Nardole is we never really found out. I mean, the, I think you, we'll probably return to this but i think one of the weaknesses of series 10 was the vault um right and, uh, that that was very much set up in the early episodes nardo was in some way kind of the guardian of the vault and had some hold over the doctor to make him stay and look after mm-hmm. the whatever the guarantor of this promise exactly and that never really paid off and right. i think again that's that's probably part of you know, the showrunner and the writers kind of realizing that actually, you know, Nardole probably had a different and more interesting role mm-hmm. to play in the show rather than a purely plot based role. And that kind of melted away. And we never really find out, found out why he was the guarantor or who, yeah. how he was a guarantor mm-hmm. or, you know, even his kind of physical makeup, where mm-hmm. he was from, that was never really revealed. I kind of felt that was Moffat dropping the ball. It was sort of like he would introduce a lot of things that never really would pan out. And I, I think Moffat missed a few beats in this by some of the things he sewed early on with Nardle, just um, mm-hmm. like in the Christmas episode with the bit with Constantinople. I thought that would have been a very interesting way to tie back in how Nardle's travels through times also would cause maybe problems for the doctor or interesting right, right. circumstances for the doctor or just in the pilot where he's very robotic and creaky and drops a bolt and to me that was potentially tying in or foreshadowing with the cybernization of bill right and right that might have been able to provide a less uh magical or deus ex machina ending for bill you know if the doctor can re uncyborg nardle Perhaps he could do something for Bill similarly. Yeah, I yeah. kind of feel like Nardle was wasted in a in in ways and in similar things like what Moffat would do with Clara, saying like, "Oh, she's now a programmer," or "Oh, now she's a governess," or "Oh, now she's a teacher." It's the same type of thing like 
in the last episode where Nardle is suddenly this fancy black marketeer or he had a blue <laughs> face at one time. They're throwaway lines, but they're not throwaway lines in the good way that adds depth like in a Bob Holmes type script. Yeah. They're like scratches on a vinyl record where they're, they're, they're throw, irritants. They're they're throwaway lines in the same way that watching Family Guy is a really irritating experience because <laughs> a lot of the, the humor in that really crap show right. um, is to do with just like non sequiturs, mm-hmm. which are, are funny for a second until you realize this is just like a non sequitur. Right. And I think it's I think in some ways it's kind of lazy writing. Mm. And uh, as you said, it, it doesn't add depth. It just adds difference. Adds noise. Um, it's noise, yeah. It's lit, lit, It's literal. It's it's not literal noise. It's metaphorical noise. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. So, and and just his ending, I think, was kind of bleak because he is mm. doomed to die in this Mondasian uh, hellhole, hellhole spaceship, just trying to stay one one step, step of, ahead of the cyber. Right. Yeah. He said he'll think of There's something. No escape. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be something I would like to see. I would like to see Nardle be rescued or or some get reappear again. I, I do like the character. I do like Lucas's portrayal. I think Moffat left some things on the table set up early on, just like the closing scene of the return of Dr. Mysterio where Nardle was taking care of the doctor and making sure that he'd be okay. It just it didn't play out the way that expectations were set by Moffat. Yeah, and I guess, you know, I mean, hopefully, I mean, Matt Lucas is going to be around for a while, um, you know, now that we've seen uh, New Who Doctors return, you know, full strength to Big Finish, for instance, mm. um, I'm quite certain there's room for <laughs> the further adventures of Nardole. Um, well, he certainly could go off on the TARDIS by himself. Absolutely. Well, we all know that he can, exactly, yeah, he can, he can pilot to TARDIS. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, in some ways, I mean, I guess in, in, in a way that. Uh, we had the master return. Uh, I, I suppose you know further down the line, we, it's possible that Nardo could return. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think you know there's a there's enough plot with him that makes right. his return noteworthy in in any way. I think he's more of a fan return in you know lit, lit, literature. Right. It's a Jago and Lightfoot type thing. Jago and Light. The new adventures of lot of Nardo. Exactly. <laughs> he could team up with them. Um, you teen up with what's her name? Um, the who's the archaeologist that they're always doing a big finish? Can't remember her name now. Well, he's already teamed up with an archaeologist once with uh, River Song, so I exactly. could see Alex Kingston come back with Nardle. Oh yeah, kind of, uh, no, yes. And uh, River and the River and Nardole mm-hmm. adventures. Yeah, I buy that. I buy that. <laughs> River and Nardole adventures. So the master had an arc. We had John Sim return, which was. Mm-hmm. S- Honestly spoiled by the trailer and the tabloids. Yeah, and I, I actually, I, I wish the, the BBC hadn't spoiled it. Right. I mean, obviously, I don't live in Britain, so I don't read the tabloids. It probably would have been outlined possible for me to avoid that spoiler. Right. If the BBC hadn't done it themselves. And that really would have been amazing, because I didn't know that, that Mr. Razor was a uh, was a, was the master at right. all until he took his mask off and he was the master. Of course, I, I don't know. I try to avoid spoilers like the plague. So yeah. the sun being the sun, of course, would say something. Yeah, I mean, the sun is like, the sun is the parable of the scorpion, you know. I mean, like, <laughs> it will it will do what it does. Is it a parable? Fable. Fable of the scorpion. Um, It'll just do what it does, basically, which is ruin everything for everybody. Um, The, the Missy arc, I think, was very satisfying. And I think I've said this before on, earlier, earlier on the podcast. There were various points during the show especially the later episodes where I was just like, you know, can we just get back to Missy now? Right. Because I'm bored with this piece. Uh, I think, unfortunately, particularly during the Scottish interlude, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, sort of like, why, why why, are we doing this? The Scottish interlude, the Eaters of Light, should have happened, I think, sometime before Oxygen. Yeah. It, it was... should have been in the first part of the, before the Monk trilogy. Exactly. We were really kind of racing to some kind of conclusion at that point, And I can see the reason to put it in there mm-hmm. to, you know, give us a kind of a, you know, a palate cleanser before we get to the fireworks factory. But at that point, I, I just wanted to get to the fireworks factory. I didn't want to spend time in the Scottish Highlands. Right. We had two palate cleansers. We had the Empress of Mars and then we had the Eaters of Light. And I think it would have been better if we just would have had Empress of Mars at that point. They have our traditional Gaddis yep. drop it in anywhere arc palate cleanser. Yeah. Um, and that was a beautiful. I mean, my my palate felt so squeaky clean after <laughs> after watching Empress of Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know we could have gone slam straight into um, World Enough in Time. Episodes. Yep. And uh, the one thing missing in the vault. It was very interesting at the beginning, 
But the way that they got Missy out of the vault seemed anticlimactic. It's sort of like, oh, Nardo, our guarantor, lets her out. It seemed yeah. very, very counter to the, the whole dynamic that Moffat was trying to set up in this series. Again, I mean, I think it's it's to your point earlier on, you know, Moffat setting something up and kind of hoping that we forget about it by the mm-hmm. end, which only uh, over 10 episodes, that's just not going to happen, basically. And But, uh, but I mean, Moffat had a better way of doing it, and he was hinting at it because he was had, had Capaldi at the vault door when he was blind, saying that he's going to need help with the monks and they never exercised that. It would have been a lot better to have her tie in somehow with the uh, the lie of the, the land. Lie of the land. We, we go into the vault, and you know, Missy tells us about the time when she fought the monks, or was allied with the monks, and they got mm-hmm. you know freaking and hard to deal with. Right. Um. Uh. So yeah, it would have been perfect. I I do happen to think that actually of a, of a pretty duff couple of episodes, or was it three episodes? It is the three trilogy, episodes, monkey trilogy. Of the, of, the, of the of the monkey trilogy. Um, I actually, uh, the the kind of the actual resolution of how do we get rid of the monks, which is a callback mm-hmm. to to um uh, 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 to uh, um oh, Bill's mother, mm-hmm. really worked for me very well. Right. Um. Uh. So in some ways, I'm kind of glad that Missy wasn't the person who helped us defeat the monks, and it was you know it was it was it was Bill's love for her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but she could have helped, kind of like him maybe at the pyramids at the end of the world. But something. Yeah. Or she, or she or she could have dealt with the you know what was actually deeply unsuccessful, um, which is the actual conclusion of the Lie of the Lamb, where the monks just kind of fly off into space, right? Because they're defeated, you know. It's, uh, which is you know they just kind of flee in a way that's kind of completely unlike how they've behaved the previous. For the previous three hours, or have um, Missy do something with the blindness? The blindness I thought was a very interesting character development, and in that they persisted through, from oxygen through extremis. But then at the end of the pyramid, at the end of the world, he has his vision back. I think it would have been a much more interesting, perhaps, or better tying in if Missy was somehow let out of the vault to help the Capaldi doctor get his vision back yeah and one one concern imagine you know the comedy slightly i guess maybe overly tasteless comedy potentials of you know <laughs> missy leading a blind doctor around um <laughs> maybe uh, maybe that's why they didn't do it actually because yeah. it would have been kind of mean to blind people um but you know um, would have been good know, for a few laughs though <laughs> yeah you could have had like a couple of minutes of her making the doctor trip over things mm-hmm. Well, like, you know, Which I would have been perfectly within her character, but it would not. It would be her character from uh, series nine rather than series ten. It, it's... That's true. When she is trying to get better from being right. evil, which again I think was something that was slightly underdeveloped. I mean, mm-hmm. I could see what was being done here, but you know, it was a, it was an arc that we were kind of being told about rather than right. we actually, see, it... actually see happening. I'd mm-hmm. like to have to have seen her be in a situation where she had a choice to be evil or not evil and she chose to be not evil. Like early um, on with the monks. Like early on with the monks, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Because again, I mean, as, as, as we all know, I mean, the, the, the master helps the doctor all the time right. to defeat aliens who become out of control i'm you know i'm, I'm looking at you axons i'm looking at you autons sea devils you know sea devils i mean all of them get out of control at some point mm-hmm. and you know they have to team up and, and and help defeat them so it's it's got it's got you know it's got form within the show right yeah precedents anyway i mean i, I get just uh, just a quick shout out to um shout out because he's listening obviously um um to john sim who i think did a just a bang up job um coming back and was just he was the, he, he wasn't the kind of slightly unrealistically unhinged sort of supermaster mm-hmm. of the of the very end of David Tennant's tenure but he was the proper like crazy insane master um from uh, uh from season 3 which i liked <laughs> Kind of the over-emotional, spoiled ten-year-old. Yes, yep. Which you know, I think the, the kind of anti, the kind of anti-date, the anti-tenth Doctor. You know, everything about the tenth Doctor only anti, <laughs> just just horribly evil. And I, I, there's one I can't remember what the phrase is now, but when you know he says, "Look, look at my face." Yes, that's it. Look, look at my face. This is someone who's not listening. Right. You know, it's just <laughs> sadistic. It's just I think he was just very sadistic, and that uh, ties well with the Taclafane and just. It it was his character. And the idea that he would basically spend 10 years in a plastic mask um, (laughs) simply to upset the doctor by having the doctor's favorite companion be turned into a Cyberman. Right. It's just just like it's it's kind of 
pathological sadism um, <laughs> to the kind of nth degree, which again fits perfectly with you know what we know about the character of the master in the past. You know, the master will dress up in costumes for kind of years on end for no readily apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here, you know, he had a horrible reason. It was great. It was very well done, and he, you know, he's a great actor, and like, we was so we were so exciting to see him back on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. I, I almost, again, uh, thought maybe he'd tie in somehow getting Missy out of the vault. Right. There's a lot of interesting ideas that Moffat came up with, but I just felt that the execution was a little sloppy. Yeah, yeah. And things didn't really pace together very well. There, there were things that were sloppy. I mean, I've there's, there's been things that have been far more sloppy in previous <laughs> Moffat, Moffat series. Um, so, I'm, 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 you know, I, I was actually... I felt this, you know, in general, season 10 was, uh, okay, there's a little bit more professionalism here, both in terms of, you know, the way the show is constructed and some of the writing and, you know, just mm-hmm. like not not doing things like making Neil Gaiman completely rewrite an entire episode in, certain, in order to fit in a companion he didn't want to fit in anyway right. and then change it. Anyway, the whole that whole mess around Clara, mm-hmm. um, which still mm-hmm. kind of really rankles with me um so again i thought there's a there's a good tight season and some great callbacks with um uh the master mm-hmm. and, and missy which is what we were talking about um uh bill yeah we want to cover the whole bill yeah pearl mackie pearl mackie um, wow what an actress wonderful beautiful actress and i yeah, just yeah I think she was the most likable new who companion that we've had. Yeah. I really don't like what they did with the character. Nope. I think she, as a character, really got the short end of the stick. And I can't remember a companion in new who who has been worse treated. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And and I think it's 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 interesting, you know, that they they got an actress, an actor of you know Mackie's consummate expertise you know to pull off the mm-hmm. the kind of arc of that character and you're you know, and you know one kind of and I, this is not necessary to to criticize someone like jenna coleman but i mean one you know one kind of trembles with fear at the idea of of an actress like jenna coleman trying to pull off that character arc uh, you know, Pearl Mackey just just kind of aced the whole thing, which is right. a shame because I think if she'd been le- less talented an actress, then I would feel less uh, disappointment at her leaving, mm-hmm. and I think she wouldn't have been able to carry off what she did so well. So mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm very sorry to see her go. I mean, I, I some ways she you know uh, we 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 have been spoiled a little bit by um, Clara to imagine you know, that new who cat companions do last longer than a season. Um, mm. In general, you know, New Who companions have been kind of seasonal. At least they were during the RTD right. era. Um, I think both Amy and Clara, the Moffat first two companions, uh, female companions, overstayed their welcome. Yep, yep, yep. I think, over, their, I think their story stories were effectively over and then dragged on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think at some point, obviously, we'll we'll, we'll do a podcast about the Moffat era as a whole. Um, right. I think that is one of the overstaying welcomes is one of Moffat's weaknesses. Mm-hmm. He has a character that he likes and is either, and I, this is probably not true, he's either too lazy or just too <laughs> in love. I think with, that's more of it. He likes his characters. He likes his characters and wants to stay with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this was the series of Kill Bill or Put Bill Through Hell. Yeah. And just what the characters would do or just what the writers would do with Bill, I I didn't really see much character development in Bill overall. Uh, she was a strong, um, independent young woman at the beginning, willing to stand up for herself, follow her curiosity, and she was that up until pretty much they destroyed it with the was it the lie of the land with the lie of the where land, she yeah. shot the doctor and and then the doctor laughs at her for this this mental torment that they put her under uh the the misplaced humor of moffat with bill's date with penny always being interrupted i thought that was misplaced and it wasn't it wasn't funny the first time, and it definitely wasn't funny, funny the, the second, second time. time. Yeah. And and then just, there's a lot of things that seem pasted on for Bill's life with her foster mother Moira, with her flatmate or housemate friends in Knock Knock, Penny, 
Heather being introduced at the beginning and then only returning at the end. There are no hints of Heather uh, in in the story or even that Bill was even thinking about her. Yeah, yeah. It just it just seemed to be a really misuse of a really good character and then kind of the you know how RTD in the was it the end of time his final mm-hmm. farewell yeah, it is. he he had some self-indulgence where he revisited all his characters that he created and the tenant doctor going back and seeing everyone I feel Moffat was self-indulgent by this whole series by revisiting plots and tropes that he did over his tenure as showrunner from whether it be a rehash of the silence with kind of what the monks were or just the the whole series finale so we have Danny Pink being converted into Cybermen now we have Bill Bill converted into Cybermen the the conclusion with Clara and me going off into explore the universe we have bill and heather going off to explore, explore the, universe. the universe very much uh, as yes as the, yes yes sorry carry on yeah mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. there's i think there's a lot of uh, just the kind of parallelism that we had with the matt smith doctor going back and kind of stalking clara's childhood to try to figure out who she was well we have the same kind of trope with the capaldi doctor going and becoming friends enough with bill's mom a woman who did not like having her photo taken but being trusted enough to take a photograph to take not just one photograph but several photographs right and so i think that moffat was revisiting his ideas that he had previously trying to do them redo right, them, do them better, do them better. And to me, it seemed like this was, I would, I what I took as a relaxed show writer with nothing to prove at the end, by the end of the series, it struck me as a showrunner who was on fumes, just trying to replay his greatest hits. I, 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 I mean, you know, I'm, I'm as harsh a critic as Moffat as, 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 as anybody, but I, I actually think that's maybe a little bit too harsh. Um, mm. I really, I, by the end, I was, I was getting the impression that this is someone who is revisiting failed old plots and like rebooting them and trying to make them work better. Mm. Um, I think, uh, you know, I've been, you know, I, and I think I've said this before, obviously have said this before on the podcast, you know, Moffat cannot write a family character or he, he, I mean, he really can't write for humans. Um, and, and, and if you just compare just the sympathy, the sympathy and empathy of RTD's writing for Rose's family with, you know, Moffat's pathetic attempts to try and get Clara's family to function as like a recognizably non-robotic alien family, which is what they come off as, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually felt that actually, you know, that, that Moffat was really, was pretty came off pretty well in terms of Bill's family relationships. I mean, they were still kind of stodgy and weird, but they weren't mm-hmm. as nearly as stodgy and weird as, as Clara. Clara's, or, right. Um, or, 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 or Rory and um, uh, Rory and Amy's relationship mm-hmm. was at various points. I think that's a lot to do with that Bill really wasn't a plot point. Things happened to Bill, but Bill wasn't, the cause or the central focus like Annie yeah. and her baby yeah. and the rift in time yeah, yeah, or yeah. crack in time or Clara the impossible girl yeah yeah, yeah. and I, but I mean I think you think you are right is that we we were promised big things you know again there were big things promised for Bill you know there was a, there was an equivalence with Susan that was kind of deliberately made right. and there was a there was a callback certainly for diehard fans to this idea you know of Ace uh, being trained to be a Time Lord or Leela mm-hmm. on Gallifrey or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that something is great is going to happen to Bill that's to do with her being mentored by the Doctor. And as you point out, you know, all that happens is that she's made to shoot the Doctor and then the Doctor laughs in her face. Um, right. And then she ends up getting turned into a Cyberman. Um, with a big gaping hole in her. With a big gaping hole in her and, chest, yeah. And the Doctor, that was just really uncomfortable. And the relationship... It was like the relationship in this series that was important to the Doctor was his relationship with the Master, with Missy. And Bill was just a secondary concern or kind of expedient because Bill did not want to go off on this adventure, so to speak, with Missy. She was very reluctant, and she had reservations, the same sort of reservations that we saw 
with her character and oxygen saying, I think it's a bad idea that we're here. I think it's time to go. And the doctor overriding it. And yeah, it's the doctor's hubris, his ego that gets in the way saying, you know, we rescue people. This is where we do. This is where we make our stand. But sometimes, and I think Bill has the right idea, the retreat is the better part. It's It's the wiser course of action. And the doctor was more concerned about his oldest friendship with Missy rather than this friendship, his relationship with Bill, uh, a woman who he basically took under his wing and mentored. And it really went yeah. nowhere. And I f- it, it felt like a betrayal at the end. Yeah. And, and I mean, I mean, two comments on that. I mean, one, unfortunately, you know, the, the result of that is we end up with a completely un-Doctor Who thing, which is, you know, a, an alien super being of, 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 of almost mm-hmm. unimaginable and in completely plot resolving powers, which is Heather, um, right. you know, if the doctor ever gets in trouble again, all he has to do is whistle <laughs> and, you know, Heather and Bill are going to turn up and they'll just solve it because mm-hmm. they can do anything apparently. Right. Um, which I do the doc, I mean, you know, we have tangled with, you know, there are, you know, there are time monsters and, you know, there are eternals and there are guard, black guardians and white gardens. We have tangled mm-hmm. with, um, alien super beings that have com- completely unconstrained power, but not to the extent of, of Heather. Um, and I think right. that's kind of a mistake to introduce Well, that. she can even stand up to Daleks, for example. Yeah, yeah. And that's introducing a Q level. Of, right. And, and, you know, the, what, what's great about Star Trek is that you know, actually Q becomes, you know, the Q dimension and the Q people and Q themselves himself, mm-hmm. you know, become interesting characters in their own rights. I can't really right. see that happening with... I mean, I... I we're never going to see Heather and Bill again, and I don't know why, if they exist in the universe, that wouldn't be the case, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that always, I think, strikes, strikes me about you know, the Moffat era as a whole is that I think both uh, Rory and Amy and then Clara, are, 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 they're all, you know, in some ways, Moffat's surrogates. Um, Amy is, you know, the kind of most obvious looking you know Mary Sue you've ever seen um you know the completely drop dead gorgeous Scots woman and I would mention that she's definitely Scottish which is also what Stephen Moffat is um who's married to a, a hopeless idiot of a man um if that isn't like a Mary Sue marriage I've got you know I really haven't seen one and then of course Clara as we've said before is a he's a is you know is Moffat's attempt to you know insinuate himself into every aspect of, of past Doctor Who? It's an mm-hmm. attempt to to win the show by you know retconning everything to his own model. Mm-hmm. Those so both of the, those companions you know have this kind of strong writerly purpose. I mean, Bill doesn't. You know, Bill is a Bill is an actual character. If you see what I mean, right? A, a believable person up until believ- the end. <laughs> a believable person, um, and sadly, you know, in in in, in this particular series you know what happens to believable people are shitty things mm-hmm. um and it's it's things like the it's 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 the monkey trilogy that you know that that, that actually kind of uh, i think make me sad about bill i think actually the kind of transcendence in in dr falls actually kind of works pretty mm-hmm. well for me but i think you know throughout the run she was pretty shoddily treated by a mentor right. Uh, as well as, you know, having kind of new enthusiasms of the week, which is, I think, is just a, you know, one week she's interested in sci-fi movies, one week she's really excited about ancient Britain and the mm-hmm. Romans, you know, it's like, well, okay, disconnected. who are you? You know, why do you mm-hmm. have those weird enthusiasms? Which mm-hmm. I guess is some some of my enthusiasms, but uh, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a character on TV, so... <laughs> Well, maybe you are. Were you written by Mark Gatiss? That's by true. <laughs> well, okay. This is this is just a sidebar. I can't remember who I read this on, but um, it was it's it really kind of uh, made sense to me. Is is it's it's um, the master is the only the only character in Doctor Who who knows he's on Doctor Who, um, <laughs> which is why he says things like a Genesis, if you will, a Genesis of the Cybermen. Um, right. because he's seen Genesis of the Daleks he, he owns it on TV he owns it on DVD he's the only character in the show who knows that he's on Doctor Who um, which I think is a really kind of fun idea yeah um, so uh, it was interesting that the point that you're saying that, that Moffat trying to win Doctor Who and that goes counter to the lines that Moffat wrote of the Doctor in the Doctor Falls saying it's not to win it's just to be you know it's the right thing to do yeah, I, yes. th- I think it's I think it's 
very counter to what Moffat has been trying to do. The, the portrayal of the Doctor in that final episode of saying, I'm not trying to win, I'm just trying to do the right thing. I feel like this whole this whole arc with Capaldi, and then now we know going to uh, uh, the first Doctor portrayal, the David Bradley portrayal yeah. of, uh, of uh, William Hartnell's first Doctor, this, I think, at least setting up works so much better than what he did with Matt Smith. Right. If we're going to take as canon, the 13 regenerations, uh, re- cause there's so much of the first doctor parallelisms in there. The Christmas episode, I think they've announced the title is going to be the doctors. The doctors, right? It seems to me that have the first regeneration and then the first regeneration of a new cycle. It seems to me like that would work a lot better than what of an ending than what the crack in the heavens mean Gallifrey trying to get through and giving Matt Smith godlike powers to shoot down Dalek spaceships. It just, yeah. it's kind of like the excesses of an RTD finale, but then with Moffat's desire to win Doctor Who, to make the most epic, the most powerful, the most lasting contribution. And I don't, I don't think holes in discontinuity or, or continuity need to be filled um, no, no, the, no, exactly not. On the other There's hand, no on the other hand, he did, I think, something really good for the series by blowing up the single timeline of Cybermen and yes. following on the theory that you espoused last summer that this is a natural progression of humanoids of a certain type. When you take away compassion and add technology or to take away feelings and add technology then that is the natural outcome you are going to have cybermen yeah and so we don't have to have an explanation why there's cybermen on telos and mondas and in a parallel earth and anything like that it, it works it it is it is the state that happens when under these conditions so he isn't all bad. Yeah. There's some really good things that he's done, some really brilliant writing, some very interesting plots and stories, but he's not perfect. And I think for certain segments of fandom, he's been elevated in, in Moff We Trust and just this, yeah. uh, this uh, uncritical eye towards a lot of what he did with, say, Clara or uh, the Amy and Rory River Cycles. I don't want to do a Moffat retrospective until you know For more, a while, more, yes. more more time has passed yes. because I really need to see what Chibnall is going to pick up on or undo or ignore that has been done with Moffat. Yeah, I mean, I think this is actually one of the things that's most exciting me about Chibnall is that we've only had two showrunners, so we've right. had one showrunner and then we've had another showrunner. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the proof of the pudding is really in what happens in the third instance. Right. Because um, uh, we've had two different ways of doing the show, two very, very different ways of doing the show. And mm-hmm. so, okay, so so what is a third way to do the show? That seems right. to me to be a really interesting question. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of kind of season 10, though, I, this is the best... To me, this is this is one of the best Moffat seasons um, mm-hmm. that um, that I've been able to experience. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I, 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 unfortunately, I say that slightly reservedly because for a good proportion of the latter part of Matt Smith's tenure, I'd sort of checked out of really understanding <laughs> or enjoying the show that much. Mm-hmm. Um, where, if and when I choose to revisit some of those later seasons, I may find some good things that I'd missed um, right. through my inattention and irritation with the show. Um, but really, I mean, this, uh, and a, a lot of this is down to Peter Capaldi and, um, right. I don't know, finally being given a really good doctor to be, I think in some ways, maybe this will, this will kind of put to bed the kind of, you know, myth that I think, you know, had been first attempted with Colin Baker and then, uh, you know, has now was now attempted the early parts of. Peter Capaldi's tenure is like you can't really have an irritable horrible doctor um right uh, you know the doctor is 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 not like that um you you could get away with it with Hartnell but because he was the first doctor he was the first one and he he arced into being nice I mean right that that's what happened by you know by by the final the final episodes of Hartnell's tenure he was he was a you know cuddly old man yeah, and 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 you also didn't you didn't have this established relationship with this character when 
the unearthly child. Yes, exactly. And we have more than 50 years now of established personality with the Doctor. We are showing up to watch Doctor Who. We're not showing up to watch any other character. Yeah. And to make your main character irascible or unlikable or vicious or whatever, yeah. <laughs> irritable, which was uh, the Colin Baker Doctor portrayal early on, it doesn't work. It repulses the audience. It, the, if you look at the, the viewing figures of the Capaldi era, that first, first deep breath was like 9 million in the UK tuned in and watched. And after that first episode, it it dropped and it never yeah. really recovered. Yeah. And so, uh, the casual viewer wasn't able to see the arc. Yeah. Because yeah. series ten Capaldi is a lot more likable, and yeah, it shows the Capaldi Doctor character developed. But, I mean, I think I think I think it was a, it was a huge risk that I don't think they fully understood to actually go with an older actor to be mm-hmm. to be the doctor and i think a, you know a younger actor can pull off a lot of likability simply by you know and our, our, our culture fetishizes young people and we <laughs> we all know that um yeah. so being young you can do a lot more stuff and especially for a casual viewer and you know obviously the doctor who is not for hardcore fans it is not a genre it's not on sci-fi network you know it's right. not it's not babylon 5 or something it's not a minority show it's an it's a it's a popular popular culture show that is designed to appeal to everybody um and i think you know if, so it's it's prime mm-hmm. viewership is casual right. are casual people um and i think i think possibly they misunderstood the challenge to the casual viewer to have an older right. person playing the doctor uh, and this is not to, you know, this is not to say that, you know, that Peter Capaldi is an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. He's a big Doctor Who fan. He right. threw himself into that part and he absolutely should have been the Doctor. I think they should have started him off at a less aggressively and less kind of, you know, counterintuitive to what people think the Doctor is like. Um, and I think that was mm-hmm. a shame. I think more of a more of a mid-series nine rather than a... <laughs> series eight <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely yeah if absolutely. he would have started out as the rock and roll doctor with the guitar and that i think that would have been a much more aging punk rocker type doctor at the beginning i think that would have perhaps yeah. won more yeah. more of a viewership but you know who knows yeah yeah and i think actually you know i think uh, you know the the question of whether companions should carry over or whether companions should should stop um mm-hmm. I, you know I, I, everyone knows well People listening to this podcast know how much I dislike the, the character of Clara. I think it was a mistake to have Clara at all, at, at all. But even <laughs> carry over from Matt Smith to um, um, mm-hmm. to, to, to Capaldi. So in general, so I think I think you know this 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 is my favorite season of Peter Capaldi, and you know I'm I'm really quite sad that he's not um, continuing. Right. I'd love to have seen him, uh, you know, pros- under prosper under a Chib reg- mm-hmm. regime. Um, but you know, you know, Chib wants to bring in his own his own team. Plus, the decision has already been made on. Capaldi in I think the UK viewing public's mind the die is cast and, yeah. yeah and so perhaps there would have been a little uh, buzz with a new showrunner but not certainly as much of attention as a new doctor yeah exactly and of course as, as I've just said you know this is a British TV show for uh, primarily for a British audience right. we, you know it, it works very well in other countries but it's not really for other countries right so shall we go Episode by episode, let's uh, just... Uh, Do a rating for each one? Sure, since we've now seen the whole thing. Right. Or okay. at, uh, how about one out of five? One out of five. Okay, Return of Dr. Mysterioso. <laughs> I'd give that a three. I was going to say three as well. Congratulations. All right. All right. Okay. The pilot? Um, the pilot. Uh, I kind of give that a four, actually. I would concur. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, okay, all right. We well, okay. the smile. Smile. Mm, I'm gonna give that another three. <sighs> yeah, smile to me was one of those that could have been a great episode, but it, I think it was sloppily made. I don't think we should have seen the deaths at the beginning because it got rid of the mystery why where all the people were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I thought the ending was abysmal. Yeah. So you what? Give that really? Well, I would. I. I I'll give it a three as well. I okay. agree with you, but I think it had it had so much more potential to be a higher yeah. higher rating on that okay. one. 
Thin Ice. Um, this was the one that when I was reviewing that I'd actually forgotten was in um, this series. <laughs> so I'm giving this a either a one or a two. I didn't like this episode ah, at all. Okay. Probably a, a, a 1.5 if it's lucky. Okay. Okay. And this was a this was the introduction of Bill being you can't be angry or you know you should just take it. And I was, you know, more I think about it, I think that's pretty uncomfortable that you're telling the black woman she can't be angry. And then Moffat double downs on that and the doctor falls when Bill as a Cyberman, you can't be an angry Cyberman yeah. because you're destructive and you'll scare children. Right, right, right. I wouldn't go as far as a, uh, a, one, a two, a 1. but <laughs> no, <laughs> but I, it's definitely, uh, I think, uh, a, the average for this series. A low three, right. A, a, lo- a low three. A low three. Knock, knock. Um, I give that a four. I really enjoyed Knock Knock. Hmm. Yeah, I disagree. I know you completely. don't like Knock Knock. Yeah. Yeah, I'd give that a. T- I'd give that a two. Oh wow, we're diverging. Yeah. yeah, Knock Knock to me just wasn't a good part of the series. Oh, okay, interesting. I I liked it a lot actually. I liked it a lot. I, I yeah. So was it David Suchet's portrayal? David or was Suchet it... helps a lot. I'm a big <laughs> fan of David Suchet. Um, okay. And I like ghost stories. I like haunted houses. <laughs> um, I thought the students actually were pretty well written. Um, uh, the students were good. I just kind of felt like maybe if the students had reappeared right. in the series later on, I don't know. <laughs> the fact the fact that they students. all lived, yeah, 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 yeah that's it, true. They, it was kind of weird. Yeah, they should have come back. Moving on, moving on, moving swiftly on. Oxygen. Oxygen. That, to me, is a five. It's a five, yeah. Um, that, that's my high point of the series. And it introduces us to, to, to an excellent director, Charles Palmer, who I hope mm-hmm. will be will be back directing more excellent um, excellence as, as yeah. the series goes on. Yeah, that's definitely a five, yep. Uh, extremist. Extremist. Um, I'm probably going to give this a... Th- Ooh, I'm going to give this a, a high three. It's a high three. <laughs> All right, so like a three and a half. Yeah. I think it was a very interesting concept. I, I, I think what ruined it for me was the the cartoony suicides, mm, and right. that this was part of the Monk trilogy. If this was a standalone episode, if heck, if this was Crawl's virtual reality, and get rid of the suicide thing, I think it would have been a really good Moffat episode. I, I'm gonna give it a low, but like two point five. A low three. Okay. Yeah. yeah fair enough. Um, Pyramid at the end of the world. Uh, this is a one for me, I'm afraid. I yeah. thought that was a really, really poor episode. I'm sorry, but it was. Yep. One for me, too. I yeah. agree. The um, Lie of the Land. Uh, medium episode. Um, well, no, actually, no. <coughs> Either a high two or a low three. Probably a high two. Okay. I like the resolution. I like how Bill and her uh, imagined memories of her mom were something that the monks couldn't undo. I thought that was really well done. Uh didn't like the whole scene of the doctor yeah that really knocks goading it down for me. bill yeah. into shooting him so yeah uh, I, low three low three yeah yeah, yeah. empress of mars what did you think uh, i give that a five i like oh really enjoyed okay. that a lot yeah mainly just because i just really really enjoyed it <laughs> i mean there's, i would there's, get there's, there's 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 not a huge amount there but it was a lot of fun mm-hmm I think it's kind of an average middling episode, oh. to be honest with you. I'd put it as a, a solid mid three. Uh, maybe I'm thinking. Maybe it's more of a four. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna revise my score. That's it's a it's a high four. A high four. Yeah. The Eaters of Light. Uh, it's a three for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it was superly well. I mean, what what brings it up to me is Charles Palmer's direction, which I thought was wonderful, but I just thought it was a bit meh. Well, I thought the story was okay. It just it wasn't in the right place in the series, and like you said, we were we were on our way to the fireworks factory, and we did not want the two spot delay. We don't want to and stop at a chippy in Scotland, right? No. Right. So, if that would have appeared earlier in the series, um, maybe it would have been high, higher. I could see that earlier on, it probably would have worked a little better. But uh, I, a solid, solid three. It seemed incomplete and rushed to me yeah. because it was dealing with that whole missy thing at the end yeah and the episode itself wasn't allowed enough time to breathe yeah absolutely um well enough in time uh i i didn't like it um mm. I'll, I'll give it a two um i'm gonna give it a four okay i mean i know why you didn't like it 
But I, th I think just in terms of excitement and kind of, you know, success and just kind of general, ooh, what's going to happen nextness, it's, right. it's a four for me. And I, okay. I, I, yeah, and I, I thought it was well put together plot-wise. And uh, Dr. Falls? I, I was happy with this as, as, a, revel, as, a, as a resolution of the, seri of the, of the season, um, which makes me give it a five because uh -huh. I think it's one of the few series finales that Moffat's done that I have been happy with. So I'm rewarding <laughs> him by giving him a five. All right. I'll give that a three. Uh, it, it tied up things pretty well. Oh, well, I think a lot of things that Moffat set up or sowed early in the series, we didn't get the payoffs in in a satisfying way. Oh, okay. All right. Well, different strokes to different folks. Yep. Uh. So, but I would agree with you. The Series 10 is certainly a lot more enjoyable of uh, Moffat's output, at least since... Uh, for me, series five. Yeah. So I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note. Right. You're off to San Diego. I'm off to but San Diego. Mm -hmm. We're going to give our uh, listener a heads up. We're giving them a watching assignment, a viewing assignment. Viewing because assignment. Yep. after our San Diego Comic Con debriefing, we are going to go uh, back into 20th back in Century time. Who. Yes. And we are going to look at Leela. And the Leela arc, if there is one, <laughs> the Leela arc. The Leela so the, arc. The lark. <laughs> and so uh, we will be starting, uh, we'll be, I think it's nine or ten episodes. Mm -hmm. And we'll be going week by week and starting with the face of evil. The face of evil. And for uh, our listener, if uh, he or she is in the UK, all these DVDs are available still and in the u.s they are available streaming through britbox Brit yes so if you want to watch we will be doing one a week and the first one in two weeks will be the face of evil Whoa, face of evil <laughs> cool i love the face of evil I, yep. Uh, yeah yeah should be good stuff it should be awesome yeah and it's actually be, it's to be nice to get back to do some classic who mm -hmm. um i've had 10 weeks of of, of non-classic who and i'm missing it <laughs> we'll be back into our wheelhouse we will be back in our wheelhouse <laughs> well so uh if you have been thanks for listening uh i have been ben and i have been david and thanks for listening to episode 50 50 <laughs> good night good night <laughs>